I spoil my kids. Anybody spoil your kids? It's not a very good thing to spoil your kids, just to let you know. For example, two weeks ago, I asked my son, Ethan. I said, Ethan, it's more Rachel because she buys gifts, and I don't really know what I'm doing as a father, but it's okay. All right. Rachel asked and said, Ethan, my son, what would you like for Christmas? The classic December question. My son looked at my beautiful wife and said, I don't know. I have everything that I want or need. And I'm like, this is going to be a great Christmas. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Until my beautiful wife said, well, here is our Amazon account. And here's what, how you access the wish list. The next day he came down and he said, I found a few things. We're like, great, fantastic. We get to enjoy Christmas together in this American um, world that we live in, buying gifts during Christmas when it's supposed to be about Christ, but that's beside the point. We looked at the, the bottom number. It's like, okay, how much does he want? It's like $1,000 worth of stuff. It's like $1,000 worth of stuff. And just to let you know, Ethan, we ain't got any of that, all right? So don't worry about that, all right? But while I was thinking about that, isn't that kind of how we are as Christ followers? Well, let me explain. We think that we have potentially arrived because we just know about God because Sunday school, upbringing, teaching, listening to podcasts, reading your Bible, whatever. We know God. So when we come to the Christmas season, we are quickly to be like, oh, I know the story of the nativity. I know about the wise men. I know about all this stuff. Oh, I even know about Easter and the resurrection. I am good. I know God enough so I can just, just relax during this Christmas season or relax in my spiritual journey or whatever. But when we understand how magnificently big God is, that should never be said of us that we've arrived in our knowledge, we've arrived in our wisdom, we've arrived, arrived in knowing God. And here's the beauty of Scripture, living and breathing Scripture, and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us through Jesus' death, burial, and the resurrection is this, that there is an infinite God that we get to know. Let me encourage you today, and as we move into this next year, that God himself is the greatest gift to you. You and I are actually not a gift to him. I'm say that again. God is the greatest gift ever. He's infinite, big. We're going to be talking about that today. And he's a gift to you. Don't you and don't I ever dare to think that we are a gift to him. Because we're not. He does not need you, but we need him. So may it be said again that the infinite knowledge of who God is never ceases to amaze us. And during this Christmas season, this incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, should shake us to the core, especially after we know who God is. 
A.W. Tozer said the following, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me just read that again. What comes to mind when you think about God. So if I was to ask you, who is God? And you were to give a response about what you, who you believe God really is. And then I reply, is that part about God the most important thing in your life or person in your life? And I can attest, there are many times that I can say, you know what, I know God, and there's so much more I can know about God, but unfortunately, he's not always at the front and center of my mind. And why? Is because I probably have a too low of a view of God, and I need to have a higher view of God, and so do you, and so do me. Me, I. So, having a low view of God will lead us to prideful, unholy, rebellious, disobedient living. Would you agree? It's like, God is God. We are not. God is a gift to us. We are not a gift to him, resulting in a low view of who God himself is. We'll create in disobedience and unholy living. But watch this. Here's the gift. It's a beautiful gift a high view of God, of who he actually is. Not what you learn in Sunday school only, not what you learn through preaching or reading your Bible or whatever you did. Having a higher view of even what you know about God now leads us to for humility, holiness, righteousness, and obedient life and submission to him. And shouldn't that be what our life looks like? So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a high view of God today. It's going to be quick. It'll be for some of you guys who have been in Christianity for a very long time. You're going to be like, heard those words, already know them, and we can move on. Don't be like my son. Don't be like my son thinking that he does not need to know God more. May it be the case for you and for me that today, when we have a high view of God, higher than you can even imagine, it allows us to humble ourselves, remove our pride, and to worship him, the one true God. And let that be a gift to you, God himself. God, to you be the glory, to you be the honor, for who you are, and forgive me, forgive us, even though we know what the high view of you are, we live with a low view of you in our disobedience, and it's proof during Christmas. May be the case that as from today, we start having a true high view of you so that we can see what a great gift you are to us. Lead us to repentance, lead us to worship, and lead us to knowing who you are. And only you can do that, Spirit. Only you can do that, God. I'm going to attempt to classify you <laughs> and who you are. What a task. Holy Spirit, Break our hearts. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said?
Amen. Let me read a statement, then we'll go. All right, so you're going to take notes, and these are going to be quick. These are going to be these tweetable statements. These are going to be quick. All right, here we go. First statement is this. God is a gift to you his what? It's on the screen. God is a gift to you his what? Creation. You are the creation. We, he is the what? Creator. He reveals himself as a what type of God? Isn't that awesome that he is actually a relational God? And how is he relational? Through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, who, which are the three persons of the Godhead that comes, that is one God, because he what? Love. Because he what? Because he what? Loves and wants a relationship with you, his creation. So we're going to be talking about today God's attributes, all right? So God's attributes, who he is. Now, if we have a wrong view of God's attributes and who God is, um, we're going to have everything else wrong. I mean, think about this. Look at culture. Does culture here, let's just say in America, have a low view of God? We can all agree on that. Democrat, Republican, Independent, or I don't care, those people, all right? Listen, no matter where you're at in the spectrum of how the world should be, we can all agree that the world, especially here in America, has a low view of God, even though it was built upon biblical standards. Listen closely to me. Why? Why, be, why do they have a low view of God, even with inside the church? It's because they think that they have arrived. You think that you have arrived. I think that I've arrived, and which results in a disobedient world that we live in. So we have to know who God is, not through his Sunday school answer, but truly who he is. So attributes are defined as his qualities, his characteristics, his features that belong uniquely to this person that defines this person. Again, the greatest gift that you will receive this Christmas and in any day is God himself. So let me explain. There are, we're going to enter into theology a little bit. So are you ready to dive deep today? All right. All right, here we go. So we've got these views that are what's called communicable. Everybody say communicable. Say that 10 times fast. Ready, set, go. Yeah. Ten. <laughs> so communicable and then incommunicable. All right. So theological words for you today. All right communicable, which is on this side, communicable is simply able to be transmitted and shared. Communicable is being able to transmit and to share. Let me just give you an example. If I have the flu, can I transfer the flu pretty quickly by breathing in your face? Anybody want me to breathe in your face if I had the flu? No. Why? Because I didn't touch you, but you knew that my my whatever, my breath could get you the flu, right? It's communicable. It's shareable. Just as God has allowed some of his communicable attributes to be shared with his creation. All right? This is what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in what? Our image. In other words, in our likeness. And then it says at the end, so God created man in his what? Image. So there's some communicable things about God in his image that even from the very beginning, he got to share. Notice he got to. Did he have to share them with us? No, he got 
to share them with us. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he, what? Created them. These communicable attributes are shared and belongs to him, but he gets to share it with us. Now, incommunicable, all right, incommunicable attributes are things that belong to him that he doesn't share, all right? So it's not unshareable because God can share whatever he wants to, but he's chosen not to share these with his creation. So these incommunicable attributes belong only to him. Like Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my what? Glory I give to who? No other. My glory I give to no other, nor do the praises carve in idols. So even from the very beginning, we can kind of see that glory, God's glory belongs purely um, to him. So let's just start with, with this. So we got... God. I mean, if you, I mean, if you really just think about that, just ponder on it. And sometimes we get so busy that we, we just say, oh, God. Or we just pray to God. But when we get his communicable and incommunicable attributes, it should again lead us to worship and lead us to humility, lead us to obedience, and lead us to life change unlike any other. But we look at the word God and be like, eh, he loves me, this I know, for the Bible, what? Tells me so. There's the church people in the room. Okay, here we go. All right. So these incommunicable and communicable things are very, very important. So we're going to go really quick through this, and then hopefully you just get the idea of God's bigness in 15, 20 minutes. You ready for this? All right, here we go. Here are some of his communicable um, attributes. The very first one is loving. Can you love somebody? Can I love somebody? But without God, who is love, am I able, are you able to love? No. But he has chosen to allow us to love, ultimately, so that we can know how much that he loves us. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love who? One another, for love is, what's the next word? From, communicable, from God, and whoever loves has been born of God, and whoever knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So I'm going to make this statement. God is loving, infinitely unchanging love for us, but we as humanity is unloving just by ourselves. We are unable to love without God, because God is what? Love, and he allows us to have these communicable attributes upon him. So it says, as in First John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, In this, um, the love of God has been manifest, showed among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might, what? Live. So when we have a high view of God, we get to live for him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, because it's impossible to love God, but watch this, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. Isn't that just awesome that we get to have that likeness of God to be able to love? The next one is we are and God is what? Good. Isn't he just good? Isn't he just a good God? Okay. Isn't he a good God? All right, so have the high view of God that he is a good, good, good God. So these are communicable. In Luke chapter 18, verse 19, why do you call me good? Jesus answered again. Jesus came in. We'll talk about this at the end. Jesus came in and humbled himself. No one is good except for who? God alone. We, as humanity, are sinful, unrighteous people. People ask sometimes, why would a good God... um, allow bad things to happen to good people. I'll just let you know, there's no one in this room that's good, not even one. That's what it says in Romans chapter 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, there's no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who sees God. All have turned. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does what? Good, not even one, without God in you. God, in you, you get to be loving. You get to be good. All right, we'll have to quickly go through these next ones. God is also faithful. God is also faithful. Can you and I be faithful? We're not without God. There's the answer again. Can you be faithful? Can you be a faithful husband or wife? Yes, you have the capability of doing it, but without God, humanity is what? Faithless, unable to be faithful. All right, let's keep going. God is, and I, I struggled with this one, and I did a lot of research on the, this. I thought that is incommunicable, but I'm going to put it into communicable. All right, holy. So is God holy? He is perfect. Holy means set apart, perfect in everything. Pure, unblemished, perfectly set apart and different. But he also has called us unholy, ungood, unloving people to be what? To be holy. First Peter chapter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children, the only way that we can be obedient, fully obedient children, is to have a what view of God? High view of God. Do not be conformed to the passions of the, your, to, to your former ignorance, but as one who has called, who is holy, God is holy. You also, what's the next word? Be. It's an action. Be holy in all of your conduct, since it is written, "You shall be holy, as I am holy." And there's so many more. There's so many more communicable things. In other words, is can you be compassionate and wise? Can you be compassionate and wise? Yeah, you can be compassionate, right? Or you should be compassionate, but the only way that you can be compassionate is with whose help? God's help. Can you be wise? Is God wise? Absolutely. All right, the next one is angry and forgiving. Is God an angry God? Oh, he can be. He is an angry God. Look, read the book of Revelation. Read the story of Jesus dying on the cross. That's an angry God against who and what? Sin. He's an angry God against sin because he is creator. We are creation. The creation chose to rebel against him. Why? Because they had a what view of God? 
a low view of God. That's why they rebelled. But having a high view of God allows us to be obedient through Jesus Christ. Now watch this. God is an angry God against sin. Also, he is a forgiving God. Can I get an amen on that? All right. He's also, can you be patient and truthful? Can you be patient and truthful? Is God patient? Yes. Is he truthful? Yes. So he gets to share that with us as well as God is kind and merciful, right? These are his communicable, but you can be kind. I can be kind. Can we be kind by ourselves? No. All of these attributes God has given to us as he made us in his image. Why? Because he wants us to be like him and to know him. But without God, you're unable to do this. God gave you these gifts, these attributes, so that you get to know him. So in the remaining time that we have, we're just going to go through some incommunicable. So incommunicable, again, means it belongs only to him. You got these ideas? You, you can't be this. Even though you want this, you cannot be this because this belongs to only God. Got it? I mean, even by, before I even go to the incommunicable, isn't this just a great gift to you? I mean, if we wrap this up right here and just pass it out to all humanity, we'd be like, woohoo, this is the greatest gift ever, right? But what do we do? We take our focus off of God during Christmas time and any time of our life, and we just take this gift for granted. How many times do we as um, parents... We buy, we, we spend, let's just say, $60 of our hard-earned money. We, we, we slaved over and we thought through and we've, we really care for our kids. So we thought that we gave them the greatest Christmas gift ever, right? Right, right? Ever been there? Then all of a sudden, three or four days later on, you're like cleaning out, as a teenager, you're cleaning out the bottom of their bed because that's where they hide all their clothes. Got the idea? So you're like, oh, I need to find all the laundry. And, like, and then all of a sudden, your hand swipes underneath and you're like, what is that? You pull it out, it's like, oh, it's the greatest gift ever. And he threw it underneath the bed. That's what we do with a low view of God. We take these attributes that God has given us and just be like, and throw it under the bed. May that not be the case for us, that we have a high view of God. So there's going to be some omnis. So the first three um, are omnis. So omni means what? All. So omni, complete. There's 100% completion in these first three, and then we'll go through the rest. The first one is God is omni, what? He's omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. Omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. He's what-knowing? All-knowing. Does he know the things that you've done yesterday that nobody else knows about? Does he know the things that you are going to do in the future? Does he know what's, who's the next president, vice president, um, senator, whatever in, in this nation? Does he know? He's all-knowing. He's not going to be like, oh, snap, I can't believe they're running for office or they're not running for office. God's not surprised in any way, shape, or form. But he's all-knowing. All right? So we, as humanity, are foolish. I mean, 
He's all-knowing, and we are foolish. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 35a says, The foolishness of God, even though he's not foolish, he's making the point, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Not only is he all-knowing. I mean, just like, if you think about that, isn't that just awesome that he's just all-knowing? Like, all-knowing, not one of these, I wonder if God knew yeah, <laughs> he knows it all. He's all-knowing. He is also all-powerful. Everybody say omnipotent. Isn't it just awesome that he is omnipotent, all-powerful? Not only all-knowing, that with inside of itself is awesome, but all-powerful. I mean, I don't know about you, but I cannot even make my kids obey me with my, with my mouth, all right? I'm like, kids, take out the trash. One moment. I said, now, boy. Girl, whatever, right? And they're like, oh, okay. And they take out the trash, but they leave a bag behind. <laughs> when I say all, that means what, Madison? All, all trash, all right? So check this out. God is all-powerful, and he was able to speak the world into existence, the universe, the stars, the moons, the sky, even you, the molecules and everything. He said, let them have breath, and they did. Let the sun shine, let the moon shine, let the stars shine, and they had to obey because God is all what? Powerful. What a gift he is to you and to me and humanity were just flat out weak. First Corinthians chapter 1, 25b says, and the weakness of God, even though he's not weak, is stronger than man. And then we've got this one. He is omnipresent. He's all present all the time. He, he doesn't live in our little bubble. Watch this. I mean, this is just pretty cool. He's all present, and we're going to be talking about eternal in just a second here. Has God ever ceased to exist? No. He is actively present today, as he was at creation, as he is at the end, all at the same time. He's here today. He's in Africa today. He's in Myanmar today. He's right here all the time. He's omni-what? Present. Isn't that just awesome that he's here all the time, and we as humanity are finite. I love what the psalmist says in 139, Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Because God is spirit. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I send to the heavens, you are what? You are there. If, if I make my bed in hell, Shiloh, um, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn and I dwell in the utmost uh, part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your righteous hand will, hold, will, will lay hold of me. I know, but that's just pretty cool. All right, so let's just have some fun. Let's, you ready for some fun? It's not possible, but let's have some fun, all right? If God was allowing you to have some communicable attributes of just three, so would you prefer to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present? You ready for this? All right, so show of hands. How many of you guys, you only get one, all right? You can't be like, well, I want this, I want this. Yeah, we all do, but all right. How many of you guys would just say you would love out of those three to be all-knowing? Raise your hand. All right, put your hand down. All right, how many guys would like to be all-powerful? Raise your hand. All right, put your hand down. And how many of you guys would like to be omnipresent? Raise your hand. All right, 
All right, put your hand down. Watch this. So did Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve saw the incommunicable attributes of God and said, I want to be like God. And he's like, I already gave you some of my attributes, and you wanted it all? Go away from me, you unholy, sinful person. And I know I played a game with you and tricked you, but isn't that just how we are as human beings? We want to be like God. We want his attributes. But guess what? They aren't yours. They're his. And the all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent, all-present God still loves you so much. Let's continue real quick with the last couple. He is also unchanging. Isn't that just awesome that God does not, does not change? Um, he's immutable. Everybody say immutable. So he doesn't change. God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. The same God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament because he does not what? Change. But Jesus changed everything. So God came to this world through Jesus and he changed everything. So now the God of wrath that we see in the Old Testament, we see relationally as the God of grace because all the wrath of God, all the anger of God was now poured out on who? Jesus. But he doesn't change in any way, shape, or, fun, or, or, or form. Here we go. God is also eternal and infinite. Isn't it just awesome that he's, we talk about this, he, he, he's, he created this timeline that we have. Did God be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to go from eternity, and I'm going to create timeline, and I'm just going to live in this time? The answer is no. He's actively, eternally infinite. Is eternally self-existence and without an origin. So who created God? Oh, well. He always has been and always will be. We are finite human beings. James chapter 4 talks about our life is a mist. It's, it's there for one day and then it's not. We will cease to exist in the form of what we see today. But praise the Lord that because that we because we have a soul, we'll either go to heaven through God's grace or hell without. Why? Because we know that he is a good, loving God. And then we see that he is creator. I mean, if you ever, I mean, how many guys love watching like, like Nat Geo or, or whatever? Anybody's like watching those shows on TV? It's like, I've got this screensaver. We don't, we don't have cable um, we have this Apple TV thing, which is just awesome. The screensaver popped on one day, and it just the ocean. And it had these, like, squid-like thingies just, like, going in, in and out. It's just like, oh, wow, that's just pretty cool. Why did God create those squid thingies? I don't know. Oh, they're jellyfish, not squid thingies. The jellyfish thingies. And it's like, I, I don't know, but I don't want to be around them because they sting. Why do they sting? Was they're defending their area. And who created even the jellyfish thingies? God, why? For us to marvel at him as creator, as one of the creations. He is magnificently beautiful. He is the great creator. I'm going to end with these two. God is self sufficiently sovereign self sufficiently what self-sufficient watch this 
God does not need you. God, God didn't wake up one day and be like, I'm kind of lonely. So I'm going to create humans. <laughs> and I'm going to share some of my communicable attributes, but they're going to rebel against me. Why? Because God already knew it because he is what? All-knowing. He even did that. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. We're not his little puppets. We are his creations. But he is sovereign. He has control over all. And in him, all things hold together. Colossians 1.17, my favorite Bible passage, probably in the entire Bible. It says this, And he, God, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things what? Hold together. All right, a lot to take in. And now we're going to go to God is triune. Triune. God is triune. Ready for this? God reveals himself as the triune God. He is three, what's the next word? Persons. He is three persons, but one God. Okay. Can I explain this? The answer is no, because God is infinitely more powerful and great than my human comprehension. So I'm a simpleton. I, I like to draw things and try to make sense of it. So there are holes all throughout this illustration. You ready for this? Why? Because God is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent. All right, so God is Father... So God is Father, God is also who? Son, and he's also who? Spirit. So this is God. So the triune God is God is Father, he is Son, he is Spirit. And the question to, that I have to pose myself, this has always been, God doesn't change, got it? He's always been Father, He's always been Son, He's been always been Spirit for eternity. So does He even need you in it? When it says, let us make man in our own image, what He said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, communicable attributes. Watch this. But God is not, and that's a difficult word to even say with God. God, or sorry, Father is actually not spirit, or is not son. The son is not spirit. The son is not spirit. The spirit is what? Not Father. just like anybody's head hurts right now yeah mine does too but isn't that the way it's supposed to be isn't that the beauty of God is that you and I cannot even figure him out isn't that just the gift of God that we get to serve him that we get to honor him that we get to be his creation and the greatest gift ever is ladies and gentlemen is this that God came to us in all these attributes, in all these, 
to the cradle. And by the way, those of you guys who are theologians in the room, it was not made out of wood, okay? <laughs> it was not made out of wood. It was a concrete slab thing, but here we go. I want you to get this picture after I share some verses with you. The very first verse I want you to share is this, that God Almighty was pleased to dwell with us, which we call him, call this Emmanuel. God what? God what? God. God what? With us. Just like awesome. That here is God of all eternity coming into his creation through a little, poor, innocent baby. Check out these three powerful verses. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken about in the prophets. Why? Because he already knew. Because he's, he's all what? all-knowing. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Which is what? God with us. <laughs> Merry Christmas. All right. Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 20. For in him, Jesus, in him, Jesus, all, what do you know is the word all means? Omni, all of the fullness of God was, what's the next word? Pleased to dwell. He wanted to dwell with you. He wanted to die on the cross for you. Why? Because he what? Loves you. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell with us. And to reconcile to, what's the next word? Himself. It ain't even about you. It's about him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in who? Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form God, so he was fully God, because the Son, fully God, He is God. The Son is who? God. What's this? In the form of God, He did not count equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, He's like, all the fullness of me, I ain't going to use it. Why? Because I want to relate to humanity in all of the attributes that are given to humanity. But He emptied Himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he what? He humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You and I are not a gift to God. In fact, he does not even need you and me. But he wants you. He loves you. 
He loves you so much that he sent himself. In the third, the second part of the Trinity, to die for you, but to relate for you as being born in poverty and sickness in this sick world, but without sin. And he took all the fullness of him and he poured it into this child. With one purpose, to die for the forgiveness of your sins. Which should result in a life worth of worship. Which should result in a high view of God. Should result in humility, knowing that we're not a gift to him. He is what a gift to us. So I want to challenge you to live this life with a high view of God. Don't be like my son who thinks that he knows it all and he has all the gifts. Ladies and gentlemen, live in this freedom that he loves you and he's given you some of his communicable attributes. Enjoy them. Live them. And then lastly, I challenge you, it's in your worship guide, why don't you start praying back to God on his incommunicable attributes and thanking him for that. So in the worship guide, you'll see Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, I think. So incommunicable attributes that on Monday we just get to pray and say, God, thank you for being you and being all-knowing. Thank you for knowing my thoughts. Thank you for knowing my ways. Thank you for loving me in the way. But I want you to catch this picture in closing. That the fullness of God was what? Pleased to dwell with us. What a Merry Christmas that is. To you, God, be the glory. To you, God, be the honor. To you, God, be the praise for being the all-knowing, all-wise, ever-present, eternal, immutable God that created us, that shared some of your attributes with us. What a blessing that is. But Lord, if there's anybody here or online that does not have this relationship with you, May they know that they can't have a relationship with you, God, because we are unholy and we need a Savior. And Jesus, you came, you came to this earth as a God in human form, willing to die with this purpose of making things right. When all humanity wanted to be God, God, you said no. I'm going to send my son years later to create a way that we can be adopted sons and daughters of you. Ultimately, not to be you, but to be loved by you. And now we get to serve you. So for this, Lord, we say thank you for this beautiful opportunity to know you as the greatest gift ever because you came, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. Shame on us for not having a high view of you. May that change today. And Lord, may we stand in true worship of you, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.